Welcome to Real Herbalism Radio, show 262, recorded at Big Dog Studios in Eugene, Oregon. This show is made possible by Sacred Blossom Farm. Makes tea time delightful with herbal teas fresh from the garden. Learn more at sacredblossomfarm.com. The Real Herb Market. Do you make herbal products for sale? At The Real Herb Market, we connect herbal makers like you with people who appreciate the power of natural herbal care. Become a seller at The Real Herb Market today. Visit them at therealherbmarket.com. Sometimes it takes a crisis to get us to really see the right path. Do or die, the wake-up call almost always leads us into a whole new adventure. The plants surely you celebrate when we join them. Today we're talking with Leslie Shadua, practicing herbalist at Sassy Lama Apothecary, makers of simple everyday herbal products about getting up after crises has awakened you to the herbal path. Now here are your hosts. I'm Candace Hunter. I'm Patrick Hunter. And, and welcome, welcome to Real Herbalism, Herbalism Radio. Radio. Hey, Leslie, welcome. Hi, thank you so much for having me on. Oh, I'm so excited to see you here because, I mean, honestly, I love your products, but I absolutely love that llama. (laughs) (laughs) You love that. It's kind of the centerpiece for sure is that cute little llama. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yes, I like the llama too. Yes. Um, He makes me laugh. Exactly. (laughs) I always think of the llama as being a she. Oh. Is the llama a she or a he? Do you know? She's a she. she. Yeah. Or does it prefer? I was a looking pronoun. for a feminine bent. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I know you're particular to llamas because of your of your um, fiber love, arts. Love of all things fiber, especially llamas, alpaca. Well, mm-hmm. a dream to to spin with, but oh, we're mm-hmm. not we're not here to chit chat about llamas, are we? <laughs> no. I want to know. Did you start off with herbs as being like your thing? Because as far as I understood, the answer is kind of no. No, it is not. I um, I didn't really even know what plants were. <laughs> I don't think for a long time. I mean, there was stuff, I guess, around me, but I, I never uh, was interested in gardening or I didn't have any concept of where food in the grocery store came from. I didn't even know what a farmer's market was until maybe um, 16, 17 years ago. Um, So I didn't, I mean, I, I did spend my life growing up beside a river. So I knew that I liked to go and sit beside the river and watch the water flow. And I had a special tree I hung out with, but I didn't have any bigger idea of that, of what that was. Right. That meant. So yeah. it was like a whole different life. And then life smacked you upside the head and said, hey, right? It did. <laughs> it said, we're <laughs> going to take you on a different path. So um, I uh, was 29 years old and nine months pregnant with my beautiful daughter, who's now 16. And I had congestive heart failure. And um, that was a shock on many different levels that it could happen to somebody that young, first of all, that it was even a thing. Right. Um, And it was, you know, pretty terrible um, life flight and the whole scene. Although I don't remember that they knocked me out. So I wasn't aware of what was happening, but that might be good actually. (laughs) Yeah. And and that's where they do it. So that people don't have that trauma, you know, is to, minimize the trauma when you're going through something like that. And um, so uh, as I came out of that and started recovering and this new life of um, 
now I have heart disease. What is that? What does that mean? What, what do I eat? Well, don't I eat? And that was a big education (laughs) and kind of funny, really how, how hard it was for me to adjust to that new um, way of being. I love hamburgers. I still love hamburgers. They're still my favorite (laughs) food, but while I was pregnant, I went to the local diner and had a bacon cheeseburger every day for lunch, you know, with, with my mom, she was at work and, um, I still eat them a lot. I'm not saying you shouldn't eat bacon. (laughs) I, you know, and fast food and junk food and it was just food to me. I didn't have any concept that it, that there was anything better or different. And so, um, when I first came home, they, they put me on a, uh, low fat, low sodium diet. And I didn't know what that meant, but. Oh Lord, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Even when you've been like all health food person, that's a tough diet. (laughs) Uh, No French fries. (laughs) No, no, nothing. Luckily I lived with a chef. Um, My daughter's father is a chef. And so he, he was on board to help me figure out, you know, good food that didn't have those things in it. And so he fed me and um, I was on medicine that I had to have my blood tested every week for uh, yeah. um, uh, what whatever it was, clotting or whatever. Yeah. And so um, they tested my blood quite often. And my doctor called me one day and said, uh, you're so, you know, there's a problem with your sodium. And I said, well, you told me not to eat sodium, to do low yeah. sodium. And he said, low, not no. You have to have some sodium. Yes. Yeah, because your your body can't like transmit signals without some. (laughs) And I didn't know that. I mean, who knows that? Right. That was the first big whoa. Wow. wow. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, so it's like, give me a bag of chips, you know. I was so happy that I could still eat some sodium. And it just was a huge awakening of what else do we need or and you know why can't I eat dark leafy greens right now you know why right. not that I wanted to but because right. I couldn't I wanted to know why why because they're and supposed then, to be so healthy for you right yeah, like <laughs> this doesn't make any sense yeah and so yeah I just started asking questions and yeah. looking at food and thinking about what was going in my body because now I've got this tiny little baby looking at me, you know, yeah. I got to stick around and take care of her. And if you can have heart failure at 29, when you're otherwise completely healthy, you know, there's a lot right. of stuff out there. Yeah. So um, that was the beginning of me deciding I was going to do everything I could to, to just be healthy and strong. So that's huge. Yeah, that's I mean. You got, you got a frontline education, fast, <laughs> fast education. I did. Yeah, sure did. And it started to become fun after a while. Um, the chef and the family taught me how to cook, which nice. yeah, I had cooked previous to that. My mom taught me how to cook, um, but he taught me how to cook. Yeah. Like the understanding of of um, how food works together, you yeah. know, how flavors go together and spices and um, 
to think differently about food. I grew yeah. up with um, hamburger helper and, yeah. you know, canned vegetables and things like that. So all oh, of a yeah. sudden I'm looking at a, a carrot. <laughs> and <I'm> like, <laughs> now what do I do with it? <laughs> do with that? <laughs> Yeah, you know, and those those that beginning to understand how flavors work together and how the foods like the food types work together, which things you combine and they go really well together and which things maybe you combine them and it's less healthy or you feel less good afterwards. That's sure. powerful medicine right there. Very powerful. Yeah. And and it was a long time before I knew that was medicine. Right. Really, it was just one day I looked back and I was like, whoa, you know, I've I've learned so much and I've changed so much. And um, I think that's an important piece to know is that sometimes it can be overwhelming mm -hmm. to think about, oh, I need to change how I eat. I need to change my diet. I need to change the quality of my diet, whatever, whatever road somebody's going to take. Yeah. A lot of times the the failure comes from um, being overwhelmed from yeah. it. Oh yeah. Cause not I because mean, it's not doable. It's diet is intimate. I mean, our first real nurturing that we receive in the world is all about food. You know, it's yeah. all about food at so many levels. I know when I was a kid, food was a comfort. I mean, yeah. you fall down and hurt your knee and you get your hug and that's important. But there's also the cookie, you know, and, and we, you know, we, we grow up and we attach so many emotional pieces to our food and our diet and who we are, you know, there's culture around lots of different types of foods, including like barbecue and all of that. I mean, there's these cultures and yeah, diet isn't just diet. It's not just the food you put in your body. It's so much it's, more. It certainly is. And I, you know, that was what you're saying there about food being intimate was a huge, mm -hmm. uh, another one of those, those salt awakenings for me is yeah. of course, as I started changing how I looked at the world and how I looked at food and what I put in my body, I wanted to share that with my people, my family, my friends, mm -hmm. and they didn't want to hear it. Wow. Uh, I was a bit <laughs> on the passionate side. <laughs> so. <laughs> You know, what it did was um, like kind of turn people off. It kind yeah. of, you know, um, offended people. And I was just trying to be helpful and yeah. share what I had learned. But you can't do it like you can't do it so baldly with yes. food because it is so personal for yes. all of us. It's personal. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah that so is how do we, you know, find ways to come together and it not be scary and overwhelming and yeah all that kind of stuff. I'm, I, I don't have the answer yet. <laughs> I'm, still, <laughs> right. I'm still working on that. Um, and I'm fine to work on it for the rest of my life. I don't want that to ever stop being interesting to me. Yeah. Um, but that, that point of that was that, um, uh, that is overwhelming. Um, and so people then stop trying. Yeah. Because it's easier to walk yes. away from something. Yes. And so I was able to look back and see that I made a lot of changes, but over a long period of time. Mm -hmm. And so my advice became to people that were interested in it, you know, pick 
one aspect that yeah. you want to change, if you want to switch to organic and you don't want to empty out your whole pantry and go buy all new food because that's crazy right. expensive and oh yeah crazy, yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, choose one thing. For for me and my family, it, uh, the first thing was milk, which I have never been a milk fan, but I had a baby, you know, an mm-hmm. infant, a yeah. toddler or whatever by the time I came to that. And I wanted her to have quality milk. So I just started buying organic milk, just that one thing. And then before long, that was normal and natural. And I could think about the next thing I wanted to um, focus on changing what kind I bought. And just one foot in front of the other, really. Well, I mean, honestly, that's how the plants teach us to do it. They don't say do everything all at once right here, right now. They say, well, let's just nudge this a little bit. Let, yeah. Let's do that a little bit. What What if we kind of look at the view from over here for a while? Let's get comfortable yeah. with that. You That's know? really a nice I mean, way of saying that. Um, we've got this lifetime, this whole yes. lifetime. So we don't want to fix it all for tomorrow because then what are we going to do? Right. You know, just, <laughs> let's nudge and take a little few steps here, a little few steps there and yeah. One day you look back and you've accomplished those things and then you're like, okay, now what? You know, it's always, right. there's always something more yeah. to do. And yeah, and, and the slow, gentle change is usually the lasting change. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The, the fast, instant, overnight remake or makeovers or whatever, that doesn't right. last, you know? <laughs> might look great for 10 minutes, but yeah. If you haven't changed the underlying habits and the values and the psychological programming and stories attached to it, you'll just go back to the old way. Uh, That's why most, you know, New Year's resolutions don't pan out after the first month. Right. People are not willing to make the long-term habitual change um, that they need to do. And that's, I think, why you always get blowback from people when you're saying, hey, you, you need to do this for your diet, you need to do that for your diet, because that's a those are all long-term changes, not just overnights for many people, um, especially when they're not um, confronted with a crisis medicine where it, it's like, you're going to die. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. So you have to make the change. And yeah. I think a lot of people want to live in that, you know, sheltered world that it's, it's I'm not going to die. I'm good. See, it's not happening to me. Yeah, and yours happened at 29, but many people face that problem in their late 50s. Sure. Yeah. You know, um, so it's always about, like you said, it's so personal, and no one wants to make those changes, and making habitual changes is really hard. Really it hard. It, and I think it's okay for us all to recognize that and say yeah. it is hard. So, at what point do we do we um, where can we meet it? Where can we yeah. meet it to move forward? Yeah. So the food for me was that major thing. You know, then I started watching the documentaries. You know, I, nice. I watched the Super Size Me and blew right, my, yeah. I mean, blew yeah. me away. I oh. had, yeah. Lord Almighty. Yeah, especially, oh, yeah. especially yeah. after being a aficionado of fast food. Um, <laughs> you know, right, it was yeah. shock. And uh, yeah. I mean, I remember I was laying in a like, it was January. So I was cuddled into bed with my daughter who was like eight months old or something. 
and right. was, the room was dark and warm and cozy. And I'm watching this show going, ah, yeah, what? my life just exploded again. What am I going to do? Yeah. So yes. I stopped eating fast food. Like I just stopped doing that. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. um, uh, that in itself Absolutely. is a hard change to make. It was. That is a really tough change. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Candace, Candace made it early on um, as well, and, and I hadn't as much. I, I had rules. <laughs> if we're on a road trip, totally <laughs> legit. What else are you going to find? But day in and day out, um, yeah. I typically don't. My guilty pleasure is um, a certain uh, breakfast sandwich from a f- certain restaurant and I only do that when we're going golfing in the morning. Then I'll do it. But I've got these specific rules, you know, and I don't deviate from them. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing wrong with having those rules. My, I know my family thinks I'm crazy because I have a lot of rules, but it helps to keep me, yeah, um, to keep me steady on the course. It was a yes. long time before my my mouth forgot that certain sandwich from that certain fast food restaurant, oh, you know. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh <laughs> yeah. The point yeah. where I would want it and and maybe I, I even would buy one. But then my hand wouldn't it would, would not wouldn't pick it up, you yeah. know, like what's happening here? How yeah. is this? <laughs> <laughs> I never like the way I would feel if afterwards if I broke the rule. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah. It, you know, if it's a golf day, I'm golfing already, so it's already fun and it just goes through. But if I just did it on, oh, I'm just going to have one today. And then I eat it and I'm like, oh, this is not, it was good going in, but uh. it wasn't <laughs> worth it. Yeah. You know, the high is over. Yeah. <laughs> the Practical Herbalist is your source for info on herbs with over 1,000 articles, including recipes, monographs, home remedies, and homesteading ideas. Using plant based techniques, you're sure to find inspiration and support. For your own connection to the plants. Learn more at thepracticalherbalist.com. How did you, you know, go from, you know, relearning diet, food, all of these things to, in, in, you know, improve yourself, improve your family, and, and then to move into herbalism? I mean, it's somewhat tangential, but I mean, you're a self-proclaimed, I don't know what plants are. So how did yeah, you go to that? I know it was right. <laughs> this is shocking to me as well. I um I lived on a, about a thirty acre blueberry farm mm. um at at this nice. time in my life as well. And since I had nothing to do but recover from my experience, as spring started rolling around, I started you know spending more time outdoors and looking around. And I thought I'm gonna plant an herb garden. So I did. I just made myself a little like 10 by 10 uh, garden with a little fence around it. And I think I probably went to whatever local nursery there was. I don't even remember how I got the plants. I mean, it's terrible. I don't know. They just (laughs) find plants. I don't know how. They find you. Honestly, they they find you once they realize you're willing to really wake up and say they get the clue that you're like, she's waking up. We will find her. So somehow they did. And so I planted my first herb garden and the only plants that I remember being in there were borage and chocolate mint. Nice. And I remember borage because 
you know, this was probably literally the start of it for me. One day I was out in the garden and the, the borage was in full bloom. And of course, yeah. it's beautiful. Oh, yeah. And I looked over and I saw, you know, some of their flowers hang upside down. Yeah. So I look over and there's a big fat bee nice. asleep Aww. upside down, just, just hanging, hanging there. Upside down on this flower. And it was kind of like the whole, what? How magical. Oh. What is yeah. happening there? Look at that beautiful. And I, I just fell in love with nice. that vision. And then chocolate mint was the other thing, which I really love. I didn't understand mint and what it does. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it was quite a shock what yeah. it did. Yeah. Um, so you have 10 feet of mint. Yeah. 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 It's so... Um, and gardening is still not my strong suit, but I've certainly had a lot of fun over the years learning about gardening. And so I thought, okay, well, I'm going to bring in some hay at, at the end of the season, put some hay down over my, you know, put a blanket yeah. on it, put it to bed for the winter. That's, yeah. some, I don't know, maybe somebody told me to do that. Maybe I don't remember, but I put in so much that I actually killed everything, including the mint. That's impressive because it's not easy to I know. get mint to stop. So it yeah. Was like, yeah, it was like a barrel of hay. <laughs> yes, I'm not sure, but it was definitely, you know, it's like, wow, I, huh. I, okay. I <laughs> so, um it, I started looking at what can I do with these plants that are in my garden, you know, yeah. and uh, I suppose there was a, this was 2004. So the internet was probably around, although where I lived, it wasn't something that was mm. easy to get. So, yeah. I, you know, I might've honestly just gone and got books from the library. What do I do with a sage leaf and what do I do with mint? And mm. I started just putting it in hot water, not even brewing it or steeping it, just putting the leaf right in hot water, the leaf, to see what happened, to see what it tasted like. Nice. So that was kind of fun. And I made some salves, which I shudder to think now. What? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what I did to him. My father visited once and he said that whatever I, whatever it was, it made his wound worse. And I was like, Oh, I don't, I don't know if that's true, but thinking back on it now with a little bit of wisdom, <laughs> I don't know what happened. But um, and then there was a uh, I joined a group of ladies and this is in um, southeastern Ohio. Appalachia is where I'm from. And so there was a group of ladies that were in their 60s, maybe even 70s, honestly. and. Uh, they met once a month and they chose an herb of the month nice. um, and they went to, you know, somebody's house, somebody hosted each month and we would, um, they let me join their group. So that was That's really nice. nice. And whatever the herb of the month was, the person hosting would make lunch and or tea centered around that herb. Nice. And then we would print off, um, whatever the information was about that plant. And then we would just sit around the table and read out loud. We would read the, the paper and share what we did. That is a delightful and way to work with it herbs. Was fun. Yeah. I mean, I, I was, a, you know, uh, I had a little baby and I was sort of 
you know, I was out in the boonies. I didn't have a social world or whatever, and I was still recovering. And so it was my once a month, somebody yeah. took the baby and I went out to do. It's like a getaway. Unearth stuff. And yeah. you know, that was probably the second phase for me, like yeah. seeing their interest and coming together and fellowship in that way and having whatever food it was. And we went once to an herb show down uh, in Marietta at some fancy mansion, uh, like a field trip, you yes. know. And I remember when I had it at my house, it was summer and I prepared cantaloupe, cold cantaloupe soup. Ooh. I think it had basil in it. And That's so that was the, the thing yeah. I made for lunch. Yeah. yeah. Was cold. And it was mind-blowingly delicious yeah. and plus good for you, like in so many ways. And it was very exciting. I was very proud to host the ladies, you know, and uh, so I did that with them for probably a year or so. Nice. Uh, I, I moved to another town and we kind of lost touch, but, but that was a really awesome way to um, raise my interest. One of the ladies, she kept her essential oils in the refrigerator. Yeah. And I still do that. I don't yeah. even know if you should or, but you know, she was yeah. an older, it just seemed like a folk, a folk <laughs> thing. I should not it helps it helps to slow the oxidation levels yeah. or the oxidizing of the essential oils which means mm -hmm. that they're keep their medicinal properties longer well, so that's yeah, a really wise that was a very wise woman nice that was one thing i kept <laughs> yeah. out of it was like okay they're all in the fridge so yeah. <laughs> so nice. what was the the catalyst to move from culinary herbs mm -hmm. to more medicinal herbs not that you know, basil, rosemary, thyme, oh, sure. you know, but those are the things that we all, ones we always think of as culinary herbs. What was the I thing think, you think? Um, I think it was, I moved from Ohio out here to Oregon. Um, and like many of us do. Like yes, so many of us I mean, do. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Um, and moved out to um, Boring, Oregon. <laughs> well, they must have really good sales literature to get you to their town. <laughs> here I am in Boring, Oregon, and I lived in a um, – I moved out here for a man, and we uh, lived in a beautiful home up on top of a hill, like isolated. I mean, oh, just at the bottom of the hill kind of was civilization, but we, we had our, it was a very private property. Um, and uh, I started gardening up there too, you know, nice. putting in a vegetable yeah. garden, of course. Again, I don't know why, because gardening's not my strong suit, but it just <laughs> seemed like I should. And my herb garden and started going and buying whatever herbs were available. And here in Oregon, there's a lot more variety than I ever saw in Ohio. Oh, yeah. So I just picked plants that looked cool. I didn't nice. still didn't understand the, you know, what any of them did. And after a little while I started researching, how can I um, learn more officially? You know, I wanted yeah. to say that I'd had some education behind me so that people would start taking me a little more serious and, and um, which really stinks that I felt that way, but I did. Yeah. And so I went to a school in Portland. Um, it, it's called the uh, Vital Ways Portland oh, Herbal School. Yeah. 
Um, Christopher Smaka, S-M-A-K-A, is the guy that runs it. And so I did, um, they go quite far with their training. They they do to practitioner level. Yeah. Um, I wasn't, I'm not interested in, in being that kind of an herbalist, but I did attend the first two years of the program. Nice. And the first one, you know, was just a real basic thing. And that one opened my eyes in a lot of ways. And that's, so that's yes. where the medicinal comes in. I started yeah. thinking about it in that way, even though I'd kind of been thinking about it without knowing I was thinking about it in terms of, you know, combining these things with food as flavor. Um, I learned that there was, you know, even more than that. Right. Um, they, they teach, they teach, um, like an energetic Western style herbalism that has energetic and Ayurvedic um, um, approach or un underlying foundation. I don't remember the Ayurvedic or... very much, uh, okay. but um, the energetic was definitely yeah. there for sure. And I did the the whole first year and it was really incredible. I loved yeah. it. The second year I was um, partially into it um, with a family emergency. I had to step away. And so okay. then it was the next year that I went back to finish it. So it was a little bit interrupted, but I did yeah. get the two two years in ultimately. And that's when it became serious for me. Nice. Um, it, it became less of a hobby, uh, backyard experimenting and more of a, you know, I, I want to do this. So it kind and of it turns out that it was a really good thing that you felt you needed to be taken a little more seriously because it got you through the yeah, next door sure. on the path, essentially. Yeah. That's, oh, that's awesome. So it was, it was a great experience and, um, I have a, I have a firm belief in, you know, challenges are not challenges. They're just opportunities. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, my mom raised me with the motto where there's a will, there's a way. And I don't think she expected me to take it quite so seriously, um, <laughs> it really, really guides how I go through life. And, um, um, you know, you just, you see something, a roadblock of some sort, we just got to figure yeah. out how to work around it. Yeah. It doesn't mean it's going to end up like you want, but that process and, and journey and adventure of finding your way around, mm -hmm. that's pretty incredible. Yeah. And a lot of times what you thought you wanted after you get there, you find out it wasn't really what you ended up getting is actually better than what you thought you mm -hmm. wanted. Almost always. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, and it turns out that what interests me the most about herbs is, is, um, is medicine making. I have, yes. a, a, a really creative person inside of me that's mm -hmm. not artistic. I can't, I can't show that in traditional artistic ways, like drawing or painting or whatever. Yeah. But it turns out I can show that um, through what I can do in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. So making, and that's not just making food, that's making the products too, making my salve or, or um, blending my teas. Um, I have a whole, a whole product list just waiting for me to find a commercial kitchen and, you know, it'll be pretty exciting. Oh, but, that um, is exciting. Yeah. Uh, it, it feeds my soul. 
And so it is, it is what I do. There is a lot of art to formulating. I mean, like a tea, it needs to taste good, even if it's medicine. Sure. So it's still, otherwise people won't drink it. I mean, (laughs) Patrick will attest to that because I've made a lot (laughs) of medicine he won't drink. (laughs) Well, that's part of making it simple and practical for everybody is I'm willing to drink a lot of things because I look at it as good for me, right? Mm -hmm. Like take your cod liver oil from back in the day when it's like it tasted terrible, but you just Mm -hmm. did it because it was good for you. I I think of food and herbs as vitamins and minerals and strengthening. And Mm -hmm. so sometimes it's doesn't taste good to normal people, right? (laughs) but uh, I'm going to drink it anyway. So I do want to find a way to make different blends palatable to, yeah the people that aren't as interested in the whys or the hows or what is the word I'm looking for? What it's going to do for you. <laughs> yeah. Making yourself do what's good for you sometimes is not enough. <laughs> you know, no. sometimes you need to, you need to soften the blow a little. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like I really dislike beets. I wish mm. I didn't. They're so good for you. They're so awesome. Yeah. Patrick's there. He's, he's, he's cheering. Hate beets. No, so but I want I, to like them. I, I like them pickled. Yeah, oh, I can handle them. Step above me, then. I can handle. Well, and it took many, many, many years for that palate to finally develop that I will eat pickled beets. But it's, oh my god, I hate beets. Oh. And Candace loves beets. Yes. So I do. I get beets in my diet because she cooks a lunch and salad, salad, beet, 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 beet. <laughs> And if you want to sit there and pick them out, you're going to have to figure out what to do with them. The yeah, dog yeah. will eat them. Jasper would eat them. He oh, loves beets. I'm with you. Now, I do. I can handle the golden beets and the variegated beets. The chayugas. The chayuga beets. Those, those deep red, stain my fingers, bad boys. <laughs> I don't like them. <laughs> I feel you. It's like so... Even being the person I am, knowing what they can do, I can't get them down. Yeah. I get the people that are like, I can't drink that tea. I just yeah. can't. Yeah. I'd love to be able to, but I can't. So let's find yeah. a way to make it delicious and fun and yummy. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I've tried many ways to get Patrick to drink a variety of different teas. And I will admit that some of them are pretty hideous. Some of the teas yeah. have been pretty horrible. I mean, if you make him taste like scotch, I'll drink it all day. Right. <laughs> so bad. Then for me, but okay. Yeah, whatever it takes, you know. So I've got to ask you, what is the story behind the llama? Mm. It's kind of fun. Um, my daughter and I are driving somewhere. I don't know where we were. And there were llamas. And we admire llamas. They're, of course, very cute. And, They're adorable. Oh, uh, yeah. And so as we were driving, we were we were talking about um, our life and our future and our dreams and things like that. And we look over and, and sh- neither one of us can remember who said it. But somebody said, now that is a sassy llama. <laughs> we both went. There that's it is. It. Like, that's there's something in our life going to be the sassy llama, like whatever form that takes, it's going to be a cafe or it's going to be, you know, whatever it is. We were still at the beginning of our, or dreaming at that point. And so, but it just stuck. 
like crazy. And the next thing I know, I'm getting llama gifts and llama notebooks and nice. llama sweaters and llama <laughs> earrings. And um, so, yeah, and, and she, we're kind of sassy, my daughter and I together. We have a lot of fun. And it, so it felt like a perfect mix. And I also am a fiber, like I'm generally 95% of the time covered head to toe in wool. I just oh yeah love mm-hmm. that fabric. Um, so then as I rebranded my company a couple of years ago, I I wanted an artist to be able to portray yeah. the sassy llama in the way that I wanted. It turned out to be very hard to find yeah. a person that yeah. um, I guess understood stood me um mm-hmm. it was it was interesting it took me a year and then finally yeah. i found an artist i had known for a long time so that was interesting nice yeah and we sat and i told her you know what i was looking for what how i felt about my business and um she just kind of sat there and sketched it out and and it ended up being just perfect just a little bit of sass on the llama on my logo <laughs> yeah i love your logo i really love it it makes me smile every single yeah. time yeah, she did. She did beautiful work. Her name's um, Brecca Taft, and she's a, a beautiful artist. Yeah. <laughs> What's the? How do you spell that? Uh, B R E K K A, and then last name T A F T. Like it sounds. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just yeah. an interesting name. Brecca. It is. Yeah. How can um, people find you and your products? Well, I've got um, a Facebook and an Instagram, both under Sassy Llama Apothecary. Um, I have uh, right now just a square site set up. So I'm not sure what it is, but if you just type in Sassy Llama Apothecary square site, I think it comes up. Um, or on my, my Insta and Facebook, there's a link directly to it. Um, okay. And so I, uh, my phone number is on there as well and email. I kind of operate old school. I'm not very fancy or real techie as yet, but I'm out here. <laughs> um, great. Is there anywhere um, that they can, people can get your products um, in, in Oregon locally? Not yet. I'm working on that currently. Okay. So just dropped off a bag of samples at a place today. So I'm hopeful. Exciting. <laughs> well, yeah. as always, put, put her herb on, on it. it. Did you say it? She did. She I did. did. That's I why I just for you though. <laughs> that's why I went just a little bit slow because I was have to waiting. Go a little quieter because I didn't hear. Do it again. One, two, three. As always, put, put a an herb on, on, it. on it. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> the statements made about herbs and products on this podcast have not been evaluated by the United States Food and Drug Administration (FDA) and are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. All information provided on this podcast or any affiliated websites is for informational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for advice from your physician or other healthcare professional. You should not use the information on this podcast and its affiliated websites for a diagnosis or treatment of any health problem. Always consult with a healthcare professional before starting any new vitamins, supplements, diet, or exercise program before taking any medication or if you have or suspect you might have a health problem. Any testimonials, questions or case studies are based on individual results and do not constitute a guarantee that you will achieve the same results.